Hi, my name's Derek Stacy, and this is my weekly podcast, Ways to Ruin Family Dinner. Uh, now, this podcast is going to be about American government and politics. Um, each week, we'll take an overlying topic, and that will be our main topic of conversation. Uh, this week's topic is about the third article of the Constitution, of one of the three branches of government, the judicial system, uh, especially the Supreme Court. This is a very important topic currently with the recent passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, even if you disagreed with her, you she was a powerhouse of American, of the judicial system. She was a great attorney, a great federal judge, and a great Supreme Court justice. Uh, as you can probably tell with my opinion of her, I am a liberal, but... I still don't think your political ideology should sway how you feel in a way a judge uh, ruled or judge's opinions. Everyone has different opinions. Uh, We need to accept that. Now, as I said earlier, this week's topic of conversation is the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Uh, Not only is the Supreme Court important with the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the opening of a seat, it's also important just because it's not as well learned about as the other two branches of government, as in the executive branch and the legislative branch. You can always name the president and the vice president, and you can always usually name at least one or two senators, maybe not from your uh, state, but from other states, uh, such as Mitch McConnell from my state of Kentucky, or also Senator Schumer, uh, or you can also name House of Representative members, such as AOC, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Thomas uh, Massey, who's also from my state of Kentucky. Um, I think the reason the uh, Supreme Court is actually not as well known is because not only is it not taught about as much, but it also wasn't supposed to be as politicized as it is nowadays. The Supreme Court recently has taken this very high politicized role in American politics. Uh, due to the way that certain people have viewed, especially certain rulings uh, recently, such as Roe v. Wade, uh, the case that gave um, gay people the right to be married uh, federally. Um, So a lot of people have seen these as political issues because truly uh, political issues and moral issues are two very different things but they have seen each other taken uh, together. Uh, People see political issues as moral issues and moral issues as political issues. But the court has recently been politicized due to uh, people being put on there and they've, due to the terms liberal and conservative. A lot of people, a lot of uh, people to the left that are liberal are scared of conservative people being put on the court and a lot of people to the right are scared of liberal people being put on the court. But truly, uh, something people that don't realize about uh, the way judges rule, it's not a liberal or conservative thing. It's their viewing of the Constitution and uh, the amendments in it, and also the way the judicial branch is supposed to be seen. Now, we're going to start out with, because I think before we start about the Constitution itself, we need to see the way judges view things. The two ways to view the Constitution truly is as a constitutionalist and an interpretist. Now, a constitutional is somebody that sees the Constitution as word, word of law. There's no interpretation to be seen in it. 
what it says is what it says. So, like the, uh, let's see, uh, the Third Amendment, because it's not controversial. Uh, the no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered, assigned to live in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a matter to be prescribed by law. Now, a constitution would say that's it. That's the only thing that can be come out of this Third Amendment. Now, an interpretist could read that, the Third Amendment, and also the uh, right to the right to non-self-incrimination and say, see, this is, this is seen as a right to privacy, which is not a prescribed one in just in the amendments or in the Constitution, but something that can be interpreted as that's what they wanted, was for people to have the right to privacy. Now, these are two just very quick ways of viewing the, uh, the ways of reading the Constitution. Obviously, sometimes you can mix them or you can uh, be like now it does say this and I believe that this but like some are more vague like uh, freedom of speech how far can freedom of speech be sometimes they can mix but I think now that you understand that you have to realize that the court truly was not uh, a political thing until a, truly the 20th century uh, the first real political the big political move was when uh, President Roosevelt, the second one, uh, he tried to pass a bill that is known as the court packing bill, where he tried to put more justices on the Supreme Court so he could appoint them and more justices would agree with his way of viewing things. Uh, now that failed. That failed by far. Uh, but that was the first big politicization of the court. Uh, it is truly, it has became more and more as time went on as uh, lines were more defined politically than anything else there have been more lines defined by um, Democrat and Republican in recent years instead of uh, North and South and stuff like that that was happening in the past now um, the only true way to understand I think the Supreme Court is to understand that they are the people that make the law of the land. Now, this wasn't always how it was. The first big court case that gave them this power to review law and see law was Marbury versus Madison, where the, where the Supreme Court decided we can review laws to see if they are constitutional. Uh, it's the power called judicial review. Uh, this gave the court the power to do what it um, what it is known for doing now, ruling if something that's happening is constitutional. The reason there's an issue with this nowadays is because of those two viewings of the ways to see the Constitution, whether it's word for word, that's the only way to see it, or if it can be interpreted. Now, the true way that it has been divided in the American people's eyes is that is the politics. Now, as I said earlier, the Supreme Court was not supposed to be a political thing. Uh, the Supreme Court was supposed to say whether something was constitutional or not. Now, as I said earlier, the first way politics was introduced into the court was the court packing bill. But when it really blew up was Brown v. Board of Education. 
uh, that was the one that saw that this is not just saying whether something is constitutional. This can bring on very big social change. And we've seen this way that they've brought big social change very a lot more recently. Uh, we saw it with Brown v. Board of Education, and then we saw it with uh, Roe v. Wade, and we've seen it very much bring very big social change to America over the past 50 years, uh, 70 years now. And so that is when the politicization of the court started to happen. Now, it did introduce that America, American citizens are very much more invested in who will be put onto the court, but they're invested for the reasons of, do they agree with me politically? That's not the way you should be viewing your Supreme Court justices. Obviously, that will play a small role into the way that they will be ruling, but it will, it's also how they view the Constitution, because the Constitution says certain things, and they can either be interpreted or seen as only those things. And the people have very big issues with who could be put on the court. Now, since we're talking about people being put on the court, uh, let's talk about how you get put on the court. Now, uh, the interesting thing about a Supreme Court justice is that they don't need to actually have any prior part of being an attorney or a judge at all. There are very few actual requirements to be a Supreme Court justice. It's really just have a pulse and don't be an idiot. Now, the thing about that is they also have to make it through the Senate. Uh, the Senate uh, carries a vote and they have hearings and that is actually the Senate's power of advising and consenting all nominations uh, brought to them by the President. Now, this is a very strenuous process. Uh, it's not just simply, we'll ask you, hey, how are you? This is the reason you do want to bring people that are, you know, qualified. You want to bring federal judges, uh, people that have been in law for decades. That's the reason there are very few younger Supreme Court justices when they get put on the court. Truly, that was uh, their whole process of being put onto the court was originally supposed to be the only true political interaction that uh, the people of, uh, had with Supreme Court uh, justices was that process of them being put onto the court. Now, um, the issue with that, Ben, is there's been a lot more of them being introduced to the people, which could be argued as a bad thing and a good thing. Now, these people are the ones deciding whether our laws are constitutional and whether they should truly be law. So them interacting with the people and knowing that this is what the people think, this is what the society around us thinks, is a very good thing. But the issue with that is also the politicization, which is truly became a problem with the court and people being put on the court. Uh, there is a great quote I heard one time is... Um, the first problem with the current American democracy is the fact that people are protesting outside uh, the Supreme Court instead of outside of Congress. Now, this is saying is you should be out here putting your voice towards the people that are passing the laws, not the people saying they're constitutional or not. Uh, you should be saying if you're going to have an opinion on a law, start protesting 
the people that are riding them, the people that are passing them, not the people that are saying that this is okay in our country. We can't have a political court because the moment we have a political court is the moment we don't have a true court system at all. Is It's the moment that we have bias and we cannot have biased federal judges. Now, obviously, there's going to be certain opinions that these people hold, but it's their opinions of the Constitution. And they've shown that they are very able to make very smart uh, decisions in these rulings. As we've seen from them, they have shown that they can interpret this Constitution and also put their opinions to the side. We've seen this in rulings by Anthony Scalia, by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it seems that this is constitutional. Now, the reason that the reason we can't have a politicization of court is because then they don't become justices. They become political appointees, and that's not what we need. We don't need a Republican Congress passing a law, and the only reason it's con considered constitutional is because these guys got them on the court. That's the reason I believe that we need to learn about the judicial system, but we don't need to. Uh, hu we we don't need to humanize justices, because they are the only part of the American government that should not be seen as human. They should be seen as more than human. They should be. We should see these people as being able to make these decisions, as being able to fully form these. We shouldn't be seeing them as liberal or conservative. We need to see them as justices of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And another way this can become political, it's not just the fault of um, certain court cases. It's also the fault of senators. Uh, I think a big senator to blame for this is Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. Uh, as the Senate Majority Leader, he's made some very questionable decisions uh, in judicial court um, nominee discussions. It only takes a simple majority to uh, in filibusters, which is not the way it is with other uh, votes. And another thing he's done is in 2016, when a Supreme Court justice passed away, he said, we need to let the next president pick uh, the Supreme Court nominee because it, Obama was a Democrat and he was hoping for a Republican person to be able to appoint that nominee. That's just the truth. That's The reason we know that's the truth is because with the passing of Ruth Bader, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, sadly, uh, we've seen that he does not stick by that decision. He says that he will hold a vote on whoever Trump appoints, which I truly, I would to, I would be okay with this if it had been like that in 2016. Not because he, uh, I'm a Democrat and President Obama was a Democrat, but because we need you have if you set a precedent, you have to follow that precedent, or there is no reason. For us to have these discussions now uh we probably we will see a nomination the only issue is i don't know if we will uh if we get a if there is a vote i don't know how many republicans will be on the side of it how many will vote for it especially if they lose their seat or if they don't lose their seat i think another issue that is uh truly arisen has been that uh showing that you don't need any qualifications except to have a pulse and have good behavior. As it says in the United States Constitution, the judges, both of the Supreme Courts and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior, and that's all. That's all it says. Is That's the only qualification you need. 
we've seen two people, President Trump has said, and they've both been senators. And the issue truly with that is they could be attorneys, but they are politicians. They are not justices. We need people that are judges. We That's the reason I truly believe if there was anything that needed to be amended about the Constitution that had to do with the judicial part of it is we need to say these people have to be like federal judges and need to show that they not have a past of political motivation. One of them, Tom Cotton to be exact, actually when he, it was announced that he was put on a Trump shortlist to be a Supreme Court nominee, he said, I will always heed my country's call. But he also said in, uh, the same day, uh, it's time for Roe v. Wade to be abolished. Which, as much as that is a hot topic, you can't have a person that already comes in with that kind of it has to be abolished type of thing before a tri- before they ever even saw a trial or uh, or arguments about it. You can't have that type of political motivation behind a person you're going to put on the court. That's the reason I believe the politicization of the court is the one of the biggest issues in American politics currently. Now, as much as that is true, uh, the chances of a senator being put on the court are very unlikely. There are very many uh, people that are qualified that you might not agree with, but qualification is the only thing that is needed to be a Supreme Court judge. You have to meet the qualifications. And these qualifications aren't set out, but it's kind of known what they are. Like, usually to qualify, you usually had to be a federal judge, and you have to be an attorney, usually clerk for a Supreme Court justice at some time. Another thing about this polarization of the court is I saw an article today about how uh, Trump was looking at a Cuban-American judge, which isn't a problem, but the reason he was looking at this judge was so that he could play well in Florida. Now, there, that's a big issue now since this politicization of the court, which I've said a thousand times. Um, is it putting judges on as a political move for the president appointing them and the people that are voting? Uh, people can't vote against certain judges because they're in swing states, and it, it's a Republican nominee. That That's one of the issues with democracy and our republic is we can't put them behind closed doors because the society needs to know them and that they're representing the society correctly. But it's also the moment the society sees them is the moment that people have to play to society and what the society wants. Now, uh, since it is an election year, uh, a quote I heard one time uh is everything's political in an election year, which is so true. Uh, this is be this happening 44, 45 days before um, the pat before the presidential election makes it one of the big issues coming up into this election is that there's a Supreme Court uh, opening, and the next president might be the one who fills it. It might not depending on what happens and with that happening it's that guess what look at this 
this is the new issue. It's, it's pro. It's, we we're coming into the last fifty days of this with coronavirus, and the police. Those were the two big hot topic issues, and now they have thrown in this opening on the Supreme Court, which having an opening on the Supreme Court for any uh, president is a monumental moment, getting to fill that spot. Now, the thing is, is that not only are people looking at this as an open nominee, it's going to be a topic in every presidential debate. It's also going to be a topic in every uh, issue coming with uh, Senate races and House races and races it really shouldn't even affect because it's no longer just an issue of who's going to be on the court. It's are they a Republican or a Democrat? Now, that's all I'm going to really say about the Supreme Court for this episode. We'll revisit it, obviously, more through the next few months, especially since there is a Supreme Court nomination happening possibly in the next few weeks, at least definitely in the next uh, up to six months. So let's look actually at some very interesting polls, I think, that are showing how uh, crazy, but also I think the issue with polls is uh, they're obviously unnumbered. They're they're phone numbers that are not numbers you know, which a lot of people don't uh, open, especially in some very key demographics and places for President Trump. Uh, that's the reason I think it shows him down and a lot of uh, a lot farther down than a lot of people were expecting in certain places, such as Texas and North Carolina. Now, the national polls currently have Joe Biden at a plus seven, which this has actually been changing uh, over the past few days. Uh, Last time I checked, it was a plus eight for Joe Biden, and I remember a week or two ago, it was a plus uh, nine. So it has shown as we get closer that uh, Biden has gone down in these polls. Uh, Now, some battleground states, uh, Arizona, Biden is up by five. Uh, Biden is only up by one in Florida. And I think this is actually one of those states that it really shows that issue of who's picking up the phone and who's answering these polls. Because as much as uh, Biden could have an advantage in uh, Florida due to the high... Um, he, they have many big cities that contain young people and also the Hispanic vote. Uh, rich white people live in Florida as well, a lot of them. And also Florida has a lot of uh, rural areas where Trump does very well in, they might not be getting the same contact by these polling places that uh, these bigger states are. Now, Michigan, uh, Joe Biden is up by four uh, points. Uh, it's 47 to 43%, uh, which I think is going to probably remain. But I, th- I, in my opinion, do believe that Joe Biden will most likely take um, Michigan. It will be by a close margin, uh, but it's does the fact that Democrats do claim to want to care about Flint, Michigan, and much this place. And the only thing that Trump could have is the uh, him talking about how he could bring back industrial jobs. The only issue with that is that in these four years, he hasn't really shown the ability to bring back those um, industrial jobs that Michigan really thrived on, like uh, Detroit and the areas around that. Now, North Carolina is very interesting, actually. Uh, I I know uh, a poll done by Survey USA uh, through the tenth and the thirteenth of September had them tied, and but 
over the spread right now, uh, it has Biden up by one point, which obviously I also attribute to that issue that I said Florida could possibly have, where it could be different due to the facts that uh, these areas that are very pro-Trump might not be getting the same contact as bigger cities uh, where Biden will very well be polling better. I did see this one a couple days ago where they were tied, as I was mentioning earlier. Uh, Joe Biden has taken a dip uh, in Ohio. He was back at the beginning of September up by three, and he's down to up by two as the most recent uh, poll has him at. Most recent compilation of polls has him at. Pennsylvania, which is a very big battleground state, has Joe Biden up by four, which is a very good indication is a lot of these polls have Biden up a very have Biden up to Trump. That's the really good thing. Uh, most recent poll has him up by four. Uh, one done through the 11th and the 15th have him up by seven. So the reason it's really interesting to look at these battleground states really is because it shows that uh, that this election is actually looking very good for Democrats in terms of big point winners. But they might not win enough small points to really carry them as clean through as they were hoping. Uh, Wisconsin has uh, Joe Biden up by seven points to 50% to a 43%, which is uh, very good in Wisconsin for Joe Biden, a state that Joe Biden hasn't campaigned in as much as uh, I know a lot of people think he should have. Hillary Clinton didn't really travel to these battleground states in 2016, which was really shown to be her loss since she won the popular vote and lost to the Electoral College. I think a really crazy thing we've actually been seeing in this election is that there have been some new introductions of battleground states probably just for this year, and it was only on the national. Now, uh, this sta these states are states like Georgia. President Trump's only up by one, and that's... Honestly, I th that that is most likely due to the fact that Joe Biden polls very high with African Americans, and Georgia has a high African American population, and Trump is not shown as much. Like he showed that he was uh, racist before the twenty sixteen election, which I think is not a. You might disagree with that, but I think he has very uh, race racial insensitive. Uh, statements he's made and he's really shown that more through his presidency before he did in his tw in the 2016 and he's been portrayed as a racist and he's uh, maybe he, you might say he's not but I think he has been shown where he could be um, Iowa also only has President Trump up by one a lot of these states are only showing a lot of these smaller states which really led to that key victory of President Trump all these midwestern states where you win 25 Midwestern states, and they all have three. That's a lot of points right there. Uh, he does. Uh, Trump does have a hand to lead it in my home state of Kentucky. Uh, let's get to my favorite one because I'm reading. I'm reading these to you as we. Uh, where is Texas, which uh, only has Trump up by two? The last time I checked, they had him up by four which I think is an insane thing to see, is this state of Texas. The reason I find this one so interesting is actually uh, in the 2016 election, I was staying up looking at results, and I fell asleep to the news of Texas being called for uh, Secretary uh, Clinton. 
And I remember hearing that. I was shocked. I was, And now looking at this, it really shows that could Trump be losing those moderates that are very uh, – those moderates he pulled in due to his talk of I'm not a politician? and Or is this just that – Thing I'm attesting a lot of this uh, change to possibly is that these people are not these people that are pro-Trump are not being reached by a lot of these pollsters, and that's a very big thing that uh, the president needs to look at while he goes through this is that as much as he can uh, he's loud and he makes these points, but he might he might think that Texas is a lock and Texas is two points down and he doesn't go there, but. In, then he could possibly lose the state of Texas. And with a California and Texas win, uh, if Joe Biden wins both of those, that would be a crazy, crazy uh, bonus for uh, Joe Biden to take that so, so handedly. The only thing that's actually, uh, there's only some guaranteed ones that we can truly say that are like, Guaranteed or the predicted ones that the only ones that can be predicted right now are 242 electoral votes predicted for uh, President Joe Biden and 100 uh, Vice President Joe Biden and 125 for President Donald Trump. Now, uh, I do have a few uh, issues with uh, I think that could mess up some of these um, so, some uh, places for Joe Biden actually. R uh, was his pick for vice president. Uh, I don't think he really gains anything from picking Kamala Harris. He doesn't gain a very big liberal pickup. He already was polling well with African Americans. And so that was honestly possibly a big loss on the side of Joe Biden. But the big pickup is um, Democratic policies. Look, I, th I truly believe Democratic policies look well during uh, times of crisis domestically, and Republican policies look well during times of crisis um, around the world, like uh, wars and s things like that. That is the big uh, pickup for Joe Biden. That's all I have to say for this week. This one's probably uh, going to be, sh uh, this one's shorter than probably the rest are going to be. The rest are going to be probably closer to 45 minutes to an hour. Um, I am going to bring more people on here. I'm going to, I'm never going to have like a co-host unless I change my mind on that, obviously. We're going to have people talk about, uh, bring people, talk about issues, uh, have conversations with everyday people that I'm going to make sure they know what they're talking about. I'm not going to have somebody just come on and start screaming, but uh, this will be a big thing. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the Electoral College, and then the next week after that, we'll talk about uh, the debates. And I'll, I'll, each week that we have a debate, I'll talk about the debates, because I think those are most important part. Not everyone watches presidential debates, and you're probably not going to learn, you're probably not going to be watching this if you don't watch presidential debates, but I think uh, you take big takeaways from them. I do have a prediction um, about president about the uh, four debates, the three presidential and the one uh, vice president. Is, uh, I believe Trump could, uh, won't crush Biden, but I think Trump could win those debates, but then Kamala Harris could will most likely sweep Mike Pence under because as much as Mike Pence doesn't have the same presence as Donald Trump has, and Kamala Harris does have a very big presence where she's commanding, she can take over real quick, she's going to be quick, she's going to be interrupting and 
there's anything that Democratic primary really uh, set people up for was to be able to uh, battle out in debates very well. And so um, next week, the Electoral College and the weeks after that leading up to the election most likely is going to be just um, debates. And in the weeks that we don't have debates, we'll uh, talk about issues. And I'll probably bring someone in on the uh, the third episode. We'll probably bring in a friend of mine that I'll tell that watch debates and we'll we'll talk about those debates with another person i think that'll be a very interesting uh dynamic to bring someone in for the first time on uh so thanks for listening this was ways to ruin family dinner